This is the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church of Ames, a podcast designed to help you live a gospel-fueled and faithful life wherever Jesus has called you. Welcome to the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church. My name is Mark Vance. I'm the lead pastor here at Cornerstone Church. Glad to be with you again. Thankful for the chance to walk together on this podcast. And I hope that the purpose of this podcast is fulfilled, that God would give us just gospel-shaped wisdom to live faithfully in his world. From time to time on the podcast, we'll tackle a contemporary issue that pops up in the news cycle or in the greater world. And today's one of those. I want to talk today actually about the news of Russell Moore's departure from the Ethics and Religious Liberties Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. I'll just refer to it as ERLC. ERLC is a lobbying group that works to protect civil liberties for Christians um, across the world and for Southern Baptists in particular. So the ERLC functions as kind of the ethical religious liberty standpoint uh, perspective of the Southern Baptist Convention. Dr. Moore served faithfully in that position as president of ERLC for a number of years. He was a man that we respected greatly. He actually has spoken before at Salt Company in Ames and has been a friend to Cornerstone. He's a personal friend of uh, Dr. Jeff Dodge, who's a teaching pastor at Veritas Church. And hearing of his departure from leadership was sad for me. I've really respected Dr. Moore's leadership and been profoundly thankful for the work that he's done. What was even more sad was more of the revelation of what motivated that departure from leadership. And actually, there was an article published in The Atlantic uh, this last week that de- detailed some of the reasons for Dr. Moore's, Moore's departure. It was titled, The Scandal Rocking the Evangelical World. It's a forceful title, um, but it's looking beyond Dr. Moore's um, departure, but into the ongoing conversation about some of the crisis that is going on in American Christendom, particularly around the question of sexual abuse, around the question of race in the church. And inside that article, they referenced a letter that Dr. Moore had written to his trustees um, when he was under a second kind of task force committee investigation in February of 2020, so nearly a year prior. So the letter was not particularly written um, about uh, his departure from uh, his position. It was written because he was being put before a task force by the executive committee and board of trustees at the Southern Baptist Convention for his role in leadership um, at ERLC. So what I want to do briefly is try to explain why is this such a controversy, explain kind of where Cornerstone would stand on the Southern Baptist Convention and all of this, and try to think through what we could do. Because Many people will see the letter and the departure of Dr. Moore as a sign of such deep unhealth inside of something like the Southern Baptist Convention that they would urge people to leave association with it. And I want to hit pause, try to think carefully with you today, explain a little background, and explain kind of how Cornerstone sees that. So first, let's talk briefly about Cornerstone and our relationship to the Southern Baptist Convention. So whether you know it or not, if you've attended Cornerstone for any point in time, Cornerstone is a Southern Baptist church. 
What that means is that we are an independent local church, so the Southern Baptist Convention is a voluntary association of churches. They don't tell us what to do. They don't elect any of our officials. They don't own any of our property. It's a voluntary association of churches across the country, of which there are nearly 45,000 Southern Baptist churches. We really like the title Great Commission Baptist, which is another title they'll use because it captures the heart of why we partner. We are together with Southern Baptists because we believe that the great commission of getting the gospel to all the nations matters. And we believe that partnering with the Southern Baptists, their seminaries, the North American Mission Board, the International Mission Board, is a really effective way for us to work with churches across the country to see the gospel go forward. And on a really, really practical note, if you want to know the honest reason why we started out partnered with the Southern Baptists, it's because Cornerstone was planted by Grand Avenue Baptist Church, at the time when Troy went uh, forward to the elders of Grand Avenue Baptist, of which his father, Tom Nesbitt, was the lead pastor, and asked for permission and their blessing to begin Cornerstone Church in 1994, Troy's mom, Marie Nesbitt, made him promise that if they were to plant a church, it would be a Southern Baptist church. That initial promise from Troy is the starting reason why Cornerstone affiliated with the Southern Baptist Convention. But since then, Our partnership has developed because we've been able to see the priority of seeing the gospel go to the nations as a key to what we're trying to do as a local church. The Southern Baptists have partnered with us to help missionaries go forward, to see funding go to our leaders who are being trained in the Southern Baptist seminaries. And ultimately, as we started the SALT Network, the Southern Baptists, through the SEND Network and North American Mission Board, kind of the entity charged with seeing churches planted in North America, has been a key partner with us as we've founded the SALT Network. And we've loved that partnership. It has been healthy. And actually, as we see the SEND Network growth, we're incredibly encouraged because the Southern Baptist Convention is taking very seriously the need to see churches started all across North America. And as we're seeing hundreds of churches planted every year, we're beginning to see a new awakening of a gospel heart inside of this denomination, and we're very thankful for that. Now, we have loved our partnership with the Southern Baptists, but I also want to be honest to say we were very disappointed hearing of Dr. Moore's departure, and also I was very troubled by the letter that I read that Dr. Moore penned to the trustees and the reasons for him leaving his post. Let me explain in brief what he addressed. Dr. Moore holds a position in the ERLC, the Ethics Religious Liberties Commission, where he is representing and voicing the perspective of Southern Baptists and working inside of political lobbying to see religious liberties upheld across America. He's been on the front line of addressing issues such as homosexuality and gender identity and the church's practice regarding that. He's been on the front line of talking about racial reconciliation and the need for the gospel to bring people together. He's been on the front line of trying to speak forcefully against sexual abuse and any cover-up that would be done falsely under the name of Jesus. But Dr. Moore's time in the ERLC was not without controversy. In particular, There was a huge controversy around the election of Donald Trump. While Dr. Moore spoke forcefully uh, about every individual's 
liberty and responsibility to vote their conscience, he also spoke fairly forcefully, especially early in Donald Trump's political candidacy against Trump as a candidate. That clearly offended many, and they felt like it was irresponsible for Dr. Moore from his position of leadership to either endorse or to speak out against any particular political candidate. Dr. Moore recognized that he may have spoken too forcefully and also went back to again underline and say why he could not vote for President Trump, but ultimately why he respected others' decisions to do so. However, that really seemed to pick a fight with some who would be the powers that be inside of certain organizations in the Southern Baptist Convention. He went further and his work among racial rec- in the topic of racial reconciliation was met by some with a lot of resistance. And I want to say this clearly. Dr. Moore is not part of what I would call a new kind of woke social justice movement that I do have concerns about. Dr. Moore's arguments about the need for racial reconciliation weren't grounded in critical theory, but grounded in scripture, where we're called to see one another as one in Christ, neither Jew nor Greek. And so Dr. Moore argued that we should take issues around racial reconciliation seriously. And the ERLC hosted a MLK 50 event that Cornerstone had members who were present at, and we were privileged to be part of that and to learn from Dr. Moore in this matter. Ultimately, Dr. Moore's letter that he wrote um, addressing a task force that was put together to investigate him and whether he should continue to be the leader of the RFC addresses first and foremost the issue of sexual abuse and its treatment inside the Southern Baptist Convention. Now, I need to give a little background here. There was an expose published in the, a Houston newspaper about the presence of sexual offenders and sexual abuse that had not been dealt with properly inside of a number of Southern Baptist churches. This expose was terrifying and horrible. It was showing not simply that abuse had happened and churches had dealt with it rightly, but that abuse had happened and churches in the name of protecting quote unquote gospel ministry had actually covered up information and not gone to local authorities. It was dealt with poorly. Dr. Greer, Dr. Moore rather, believed that those churches that were subject to that um, investigation needed to be called out. However, a committee within the Southern Baptist Convention called the Executive Committee, I'll talk a bit more about what that is, had through a bylaws work group in effect exonerated those churches from serious charges of sexual abuse cover-up. Um, that was a mistake. I want you to hear me say that. In any church, we cannot guarantee that any church will be without scandal, that will be without sin. However, especially in a case of abuse or sexual abuse or even the accusation of that, you need to involve more than just a church-based group to figure that out. You need to go to civil authorities because God has put those authorities in place to protect those who are innocent and to adjudicate cases such as this. This isn't just a matter of in-house deliberation when we're talking about criminal charges. And I believe Dr. Moore was not only morally right, he was morally compelled to speak out from his position about this problem. 
the ERLC actually went on beyond that to found something for the Southern Baptist Convention called the Caring Well Challenge or the Caring Well Initiative. It taught churches how to respond to allegations of sexual abuse and beyond that, more importantly, how to establish patterns of how to care well for victims of sexual abuse and how to start a culture of safety where you could safeguard the church against it. Cornerstone has used that material extensively. It's the foundation of updates that we've made in protection policies, in how we do counseling and care. It has been incredibly helpful. We had members of our staff team who attended the National Caring Well uh, Conference and learned so much underneath Dr. Moore's leadership. However, at that same conference, one specific speaker, Rachel Denholdner, um, had spoken publicly about the disparagement and poor treatment of a sexual abuse survivor by members of the executive committee staff. That story that she told was an accurate story, and the members who had treated her poorly deserved to be called out. However, that enraged members of the executive committee leadership And it was that committee that repeatedly would put forward task forces to undermine Dr. Moore's leadership. Okay, I give you all that background to say that letter that Dr. Moore wrote in that background is what prompted the article in The Atlantic titled The Shocking, The Scandal Rocking, The Evangelical World. Now, what are we to think of this? And how are we to make sense of this? This is indeed scandalous. It is terrible to hear that first and foremost, the reason Dr. Moore would move on was because of repeated task forces that were called by those who would not take sexual abuse and its cover-up seriously. That's terrible. That's disheartening. But beyond that, I do think it raises a question. I think I've, I've had this question posed to be by individuals in our church and otherwise asking, so what does it mean for a church like Cornerstone that is affiliated with the Southern Baptist Convention? Does this mean we should leave or we should consider leaving? What do you do with that? Now, on that, I want to pause and try to give a bit of background that we need to understand before we go in to make that decision about what the Southern Baptist Convention is and how it works. So first off, just realize the Southern Baptist Convention is a network of independent churches. There's about 40 plus thousand churches in the Southern Baptist Convention representing millions of people who attend worship services every week. So it's a very big tent. It's a very big family. And in any family reunion, everybody knows we you can have a crazy uncle, and when you have a tent with 45,000 people in it, well, you're going to have more than a few crazy uncles. You're going to have some that are quite crazy. Inside the SBC, there are certainly those who um, are fairly odd in belief and in practice, but that is a network. I just want to underline this, that Southern Baptist Convention is a network of independent churches. The presence of a few odd churches does not set the direction of the overall Southern Baptist Convention or mean that we should leave that family tent. It's a very big tent. And the key question is, we partner together for mission to see the International Mission Board, Global Missions Funded, and to see the North American Mission Board of North American missions funded, and the seminaries which teach the emerging generation of pastors, great seminaries like Midwestern and Southern Seminary. And so in our view, 
The overall mission of the Southern Baptist Convention is not compromised by others who want to come give faithfully dollars and resources to see a mission that we agree with go forward. Even if we would disagree with some, they are not influencing our local stances because we're a locally independent church. Now, Southern Baptist Convention, so in your mind, big, big group with lots and lots of churches that are members. Underneath the Southern Baptist Convention, there's a few key entities. There's the Ethics and Religious Liberties Commission, the ERLC. There are the seminaries, uh, Southern Seminary, Midwestern Seminary. There's the North American Mission Board, which exists to uh, plant churches in North America. There's the International Mission Board, which exists to plant churches all across the world. And then there are resourcing entities like Lifeway, a publishing entity that helps to put forward great gospel-centered materials. Now, Here's what you need to understand. When Southern Baptists come together, they give money into what they call a cooperative program, and it funds each of those entities to a certain extent. The the group tasked with receiving those cooperative giving funds and distributing them is something called the Southern Baptist Executive Committee. Now, the Executive Committee of the Southern Baptists is made up of kind of two sides. You have one side, which is the paid staff. So you have a president of the executive committee. Currently, that is Dr. Ronnie Floyd. And then there are 86 elected kind of trustee members of the executive committee that serve in different capacities. These people are not the paid staff. They're generally pastors or leaders in a local context who give input to the executive committee. The executive committee trustee leadership, particularly underneath the president of that committee, Mike Stone, that was the group that instigated the task force that Dr. Moore speaks about as going after him and ultimately the reason he would resign as the ERLC president. Now, So I just want to underline it. It's important to state this. I don't want, when sometimes when you read an article like this, you go, oh my goodness, the president of the Southern Baptist Executive Committee went after Dr. Moore. You realize that person is not like a paid employee of the Southern Baptist. They don't represent the entire convention. They're an individual appointed to a post as a trustee. And so the question I, that you need to ask more broadly is, does the ERLC, the seminaries, NAM, Lifeway, all, the power of what drives the Southern Baptist is the leaders, the presidents of those entities, men like Al Moeller, Kevin Ezel, Danny Aiken, those individuals, do we agree with their leadership? And I think that in general, we have really, really supported that leadership. So... I've given some backdrop here to try to explain what is going on because sometimes in a really powerful article, which I think is really important to read, we don't get all of that background information. So what do we do with all of that? What's our reaction? As a church at Cornerstone that's part of the Southern Baptists and has been affiliated with them, how do we respond? So here's a couple of kind of concluding thoughts. The first is... um, I respond by thanking God for the ministry of Dr. Russell Moore. He has been a speaker at our Salt Company. He preached out of Romans chapter 6, and it was a beautiful message. He's been a leader that I've trusted and appreciated his voice, even if I've disagreed with his opinions. And I feel like his call to value how the gospel should shape race relations, to actually look at how the gospel should shape how we care well for victims of abuse. These were needed and urgent matters that actually lots of churches need leadership and help on. And so I was sad to see him go. 
And it caused me to ask the question, does this departure mean that Cornerstone and others should consider departing from the Southern Baptist Convention? To understand that better and the thought process I put into that, personally, what I think is you got to understand what an organization as big as the Southern Baptist is all about. I think you are morally obligated to leave an organization if its central mission is sinful or evil. Think of the New Testament where it talks about how, what partnership can Christ have with Belial, with an, an offering or a sacrifice given to an idol. In that case, there can be some organizations whose basic mission is at odds with the gospel. We can't partner as local churches with that. So clearly, that's an instance where you have to leave an organization if it has left the gospel. But then, secondly, you could have an organization whose core purpose is really good. Maybe it's an organization designed to provide aid to the poor or a missions organization designed to send missionaries to the end of the earth, where you, in some instance, might look at the leadership of that organization, say the public leadership of that organization has become corrupt. So even though the moral mission of the organization is good, the leadership corruption means I'm morally obligated to leave. In this instance, I do think some who read what Dr. Moore went through in the Southern Baptist Convention could reach that conclusion. I do think, on the other hand to that, many people would read titles like President of the Southern Baptist Executive Committee and would actually think that individual holds far more authority in Southern Baptist life than that individual actually does. So in this instance, I think there's a third category that actually applies here, which is I think the Southern Baptist denomination is full of sinful people who at times do wrong and even evil actions, but whose core mission, purpose, and leadership is headed in the right direction. In that instance, what's not dema- it's not demanded that we must leave, but it's demanded that we need to lament sin repent of sin, and seek to change in light of the gospel. And it's actually in this case where I think Dr. Moore's leadership has already pointed the ship of the Southern Baptist denomination in the right direction. The leadership of the Caring Well Initiative is already in place and influencing thousands of churches forward. The North American Mission Board, under the leadership of Kevin Ezell, is an incredible organization. It is the best church-planting organization in North America, and they're seeing hundreds and hundreds of new churches of all sorts of ethnic and cultural backdrops planted across North America. The leadership of the seminary presence is all in the hands of good, faithful, conservative, gospel-loving men. The pointing, the directional orientation of the Southern Baptist Convention from all the key signs that I can see is pointed in the right direction. I am ashamed of the treatment of Dr. Moore. I'm ashamed to hear about how individuals who held some degree of power repeatedly used that power to engage in an almost psychological warfare designed to take out a person who is a good, godly, respected leader. We should own that that was a failure. We should change. We should repent. But in my assessment, that is not representative of the whole of the direction of the Southern Baptist Convention. I want us to continue to move forward in terms of the Southern Baptist Convention and seeing more and more change I want to continue to see good gospel-centered church planting 
happen. I want to continue to see missionaries sent out through the International Mission Board. I want to continue to hold to our doctrinal roots expressed in the Baptist faith and message. I want to continue to hold to the gospel, but I also want to underline to everyone the importance of the Southern Baptist Convention. Folks, this is the largest Protestant denomination in the world, and it's the only one that currently is still biblically faithful and committed to our doctrinal heritage. If you look at the other major mainline Protestant denominations, the United Methodist Church, the Episcopal Church, many branches of the Lutheran Church, they have already been overtaken by what we call theological liberalism, a group that wants to embrace the social justice of the moral ethics of Jesus, but deny eternal hell, eternal damnation, and the foundational truths of Scripture. The Southern Baptist denomination is the one major mainline Protestant denomination that hasn't abandoned the gospel and instead is fighting for it and pushing it forward. We should go very slowly before we abandon ship on the legacy and resources of an organization like that. But we should never hesitate in light of how Jesus calls us all to repent and to change because of the gospel, to actually call our churches and even a denomination to continue to repent and change in light of the gospel. So in this podcast, I just want to say again how grateful I am for Dr. Moore and his leadership in these years in the Southern Baptist Convention. I may not have agreed with everything he did, everything he said, everything he supported, but I was thankful to partner with a gospel guy like that, and I wish him the best in continued ministry leadership. I think as we look at this situation, there are certainly men who held leadership posts and used those in wrong ways inside the Southern Baptist Convention who should not be put into places of leadership again. But also, I want to affirm that the general direction that we see in the Southern Baptist Convention is one that in the middle of a difficult cultural time shows the potential of incredible gospel renewal of new church planting and of doctrinal faithfulness. And I'm proud to be connected to that, even if I'm ashamed of some of the behavior of some who are inside of that broader tent of Southern Baptists. And for all of us, I want you to read sad stories, scandals, and remember, they are not just evidences that we should abandon everything. In the middle of a culture where we're tempted to cancel anything that isn't immediately right or to go back and adjudicate the history of sins and try to chart a brand new path by destroying what was in the past, I think actually we need to remember, we need to remember that Jesus calls us to change and to grow not just to destroy when we see something bad in the past. We are always being remade in the image of Christ, always confessing. Luther said the Christian life from beginning to end is a continual act of repenting, of turning away from our old ways and turning back to trust in Jesus. And for all the failures of the followers of Jesus, despite all we get wrong, the gospel gives us a hope to see change and to move forward. We don't need to immediately rush the judgment that just because something is wrong, we need to abandon all association. Instead, we can repent and work to change. I hope that's the sort of heart that characterizes all of us. And my hope is even reading things that cause me to lament, I would have that same sort of heart of Jesus as we move forward. 
hope this is insightful, helpful to you. It's just a framing of a really hard issue, something that we need to think through, we need to own, and we need to lament about as Southern Baptists. And I hope to continue to see the gospel reshape the convention that we're a part of and the denomination that we've grown to really appreciate over the years. 